0: This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 90 of the Rebel Author Podcast. What a landmark episode. Episode 90? What the fuck? That's almost 100, and I am like giddy with excitement to reach 100 because that is a milestone. This is no longer a new podcast. So yeah, I am (laughs) just... Well, you can hear it in my voice, I suspect, but I'm kind of excited. Thank you to everybody who has continued to listen. Thank you to everybody who has listened from the start. Thank you to my new listeners. I really appreciate you guys. And yeah, like, I guess if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be doing it still. So yeah, like here is to the next 10 episodes and hopefully another 100 after that. Well, let's see. Let's get to 100 first. Alright, enough giddy excitement for one episode. This week I'm talking to Inez Johnson all about how to build a six figure author business. And I have to say, she is fucking brilliant. I really enjoyed talking to her. Uh, So yeah, I don't know, maybe I can bring her on again uh, at some point to talk talk about something else. But uh, I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. She was super fun to speak to. Last week's question was, have you got an author website? And how did you find the process of setting it up? So Erin McKnight said, I will definitely be looking at my site after this. I created it this past December and found myself close to tears and ready to rip my hair out on several occasions. It was a nightmare, but I got it done. Thank goodness for YouTube and author friends to walk me through it when I was lost. I'm not going to lie. I uh, changed the design of my site uh, around the same kind of time, I think. Maybe November, December time. And it was also (laughs) equally... Fucking nightmare. I definitely had some tears and which is kind of the theme of this week's episode but well like, I'll explain that later uh and I had to ask friends because it was so hard and it was also I was also adding in a uh web shop and it just fucked different aspects of it one you fix one part and something else got fucked so it was incredibly frustrating. Kerry Hardisky said I do have a site but I haven't touched it in months I was very fortunate that my besties husband is a super tech genius and built it for me all I have to do is update the info Meg Jolly says I have three websites thanks to Elementor they are no longer too painful to do that being said the mention of the mention of SEO uh, makes me want to run for the hills so uh, I need to listen to this one next in we have uh Paul Debick, I hope I've said your name correctly, and he is a web developer and says, SEO can be very complex, but for the most part, you simply want to follow these steps. Step one, write great content that visitors want to read. Step two, repeat. Yes, there is a lot that can be done to get better performance, but the return on time investments drops off steeply. My favorite tip is find the best article about a certain co- a topic and copy it, but make it even better. Lauren Fizgig says, uh, I have one, but I'm uh, but not really sure what I need to add on to it. It wasn't too bad setting it up, as in the basics, as I've ran a separate blog for almost a decade. Val Neal says, I've had websites since 1997, so setting them up is old hat for me. That said, business sites are different and I make and I made the mistake of going cheap uh, WordPress.com from the start because I didn't want to pay for hosting before I was ready to launch. I had to migrate to a WordPress.org this year, and it was a pain in the arse. Not as bad as it could have been, but annoying enough that I'd recommend people just start uh, out doing it right the first time. Why the switch? Well, because it allows me to completely customise and therefore expand as needed. Not selling direct yet, but fully intend to eventually. If anyone is just starting out, I highly recommend Joanna Penn's YouTube tutorial series on how to set up a website. She goes through everything step by step. Even if you're not tech savvy, you should be able to follow her instructions. And I agree. I definitely watched that um, a few years ago when I was setting up mine and it is brilliant. So yeah. Next week's question is, what was the last realisation you had? And I'm going to answer this in the personal... Update section, but first I'm going to give you the book recommendation of the week, which is *The Giver* by Lois Lowry. Now, this is what is called a modern classic. I think um, it's young adult, but it was published like not that long ago, like maybe early 2000s, which makes me feel really old. But anyway, um, how can that be a classic? Anyway, it's a modern classic. Whatever. The the point is, it is a young adult novel. But I think it's one of those novels that can be read by adults and children alike and you can get different things from it. It's, uh, I guess, dystopian. Um, It's set in a world that is meant to be perfect and um, everybody, you know, is told exactly what to do um, and... uh, essentially, uh, everybody has jobs, everybody's partners are chosen for them, um, you know, what they eat, the medicine they have, everything. And the crux of it is that when this boy gets given his job, uh, and I don't think this is a spoiler for me to say this, he, he is given the role of receiver, which is a receiver of memories. And the memories are from history. So like from our time, where, you know, there was choice and differentness, and pain and suffering. And it's an exploration of what that does, and what wisdom that gives the child. And it is fascinating. And it's a very quick read, I I have to confess, I haven't got to the end yet. Um, I have been vegetating this week in front of Scandal, the TV show, uh, because I just needed to turn off. And so I haven't got to the end of it, but I'm almost at the end. And it is beautiful. And yes, so I very much recommend that everybody reads that this week. Okay, the bit I've been dreading. (laughs) Confessional, Sasha's weekly confessional. All right, so... This has been a very challenging week. I, uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of Becca Syme and I took her Strengths for Writers course. And uh, I'm sure I've mentioned on a number of occasions that my number one strength is competition. Once you've done the initial uh, courses, you can then do the advanced courses, which are singular strength intensive courses. So this week was the competition intensive. And it has been mind-blowing and revolutionary and I don't even know if that's the quite the right word that I'm I didn't don't know if I pronounced that right but anyway moving on it has been boggling and um, I've got to the point this morning this is now lunchtime on Friday and usually I record this first thing in the morning on Friday and what happened this morning was that I ground to a halt I just stopped and I can't believe I'm going to admit this but I cried pretty much all morning. I was completely unable to do anything. Um, I hit a gigantic brick wall and I just phoned my dad and cried down the phone and I cried on my wife, I cried on my friends and um, yeah, I just realised that I am at a- another leaping point and I have to leap off, but I can't quite afford to leap off. Uh, you know, so by a leaping point, I mean you get to a point in your business where you have to start taking another risk. I.e., you have to quit your job, or you have to stop doing freelance, or you have to, um, I don't know, take on uh, a member of staff if you run a business. Or you know, each of these points are leaping points. They are leaps of faith. You have to spend before you. Uh, know for sure that you will reap back income. Uh, But what my dad reminded me is that every single time I take a leap of faith, I grow my business. And he was right. Um, And so I have to bring on, like at the moment, I have a VA who is amazing and helps me with the podcast or some bits of the podcast. But I uh, have to bring on somebody to do more and uh, be that social stuff, um, like inbox management, all kinds of things. But essentially, if I want to grow my income and my business, I have to give get rid of stuff or quit stuff or I don't know, just like stop doing some stuff so that I can focus on the creation. And, you know, I listen to other people talk about this all the time and smile and nod and go, yeah, I know, I get it. But um, clearly, (laughs) I didn't, because I reached that point this morning. And it was a shifting, it was a realization that um, knowing something is different to actually acting upon that thing and manifesting it and doing it and putting it into action. And I think that I've spent a long time knowing that I was reaching a brick wall, and that I had to do something if I wanted to grow. uh, Because I've definitely been stagnant for a few months, uh, in terms of like growth. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm still miles ahead of where I was a couple of years ago. But I'm hungry for more, I want more, I want to grow. You know, this is not where I want my business to be for the rest of my life, I want to to get bigger. And um, so yeah, so I hit that, that wall this morning and just ground to a halt. And I was meant to record this this morning and I couldn't because it felt like such a significant barrier that I had to find a way to move past it before I could come back and then do the do the work. So uh, like essentially where I've got to is that I'm going to commission someone probably for like 10 or 15 hours a month, which feels terrifying to have to commit to that kind of outflow before I definitely know that I can you know, cover it. Obviously, I will cover it. But, you know, it's, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. And the other thing that happened is that uh, my dad and this competition intensive made me realise that I had the wrong goal. Um, and I think this is also something that is spoken about um, in the industry a lot by some of the the big names and things. But um, I had a financial goal, And that was what was driving me. And all my passwords were that number. And, um, you know, I had Post-its on my computer and I had it on my screen savers. And, you know, I printed my mood board, vision board thing, whatever. Um, And my dad just highlighted that you can have financial targets, but having a financial goal is not necessarily the positive driver that you think it's going to be. You know, money often has a negative... Um, energy around it. And he just said, you know, if you really want to make money, go and be a banker, go and work in London, go and work in investments, or the stock market or or in hedge funds or whatever. And I was like, yeah, no, that isn't what I want to do. What I want to do is create and produce. And he was like, exactly. And so that should be your goal. And Now I say it out loud, it seems so fucking stupid and obvious, and I feel like an idiot, but um, it it is just the, the most tiny of semantic changes. It is a reframing of what I was already doing, but in reframing my goal to production and creation, I can honestly tell you that just hearing him say that was like a weight lifted off my shoulders this morning. And... I have felt for the rest of the morning, like th- there are things moving inside my body. I can't explain it. It feels like a physical realignment of my being. And it's not that I wasn't driven to create, I was. But, um, you know, focus is, is one of my strengths as well. I think that's number eight. I um, but everything has changed. In that one reframing, everything has changed and I'm still intellecting and thinking about it and so I can't quite communicate exactly what has happened or or how things are going to change, but I can feel it shifting inside me. And, you know, I'm not, what I don't want to do is to to seem like I'm saying, oh, okay, well, if it's all about production, then I'm going to change and be, you know, a a book a month person. I'm not, I'm never going to be a book a month person. But I, and, and and this is where I have to stop because I still don't have it all pinned down yet. Um, but production and creation, be it books, workbooks, courses, conferences, um, audio books, those are now going to be my focus and the money will come. Because if we create, um, you know, and we build our audiences, then it will come. And that was, you know, what my dad said, and he, you know, explained, like for his business, he created the products and the the customers came. And of course, we have to do a lot of marketing and all of the on all of this stuff. But um, it just realigned me and gave me the confidence and the focus back that I needed and that I had lost some way along the lines and so I felt like I had to share that with you um it feels quite vulnerable and scary telling people this um because you know (laughs) these are these dark things and not dark but you know it's it's horrible having to confess these things and and just be honest but I genuinely feel like there might be other people out there who will have sidelined themselves, maybe with the wrong goal, not meaning to, and having the best of intentions, which is what I had. So yeah, I just, I hope this resonates with somebody um, and that you find it helpful. All right. Next up, uh, Rebel Author Diaries Anthology Submissions we are really down to the wire now. So uh, we only have a couple of weeks left before the submission window shuts. So if you want to get in the anthology, now is the time. Uh, Yeah, it closes on the 30th of June. Uh, UK 30th of June at midnight so if you want to be in with a chance of being in the anthology then you need to submit your stories and uh, I will leave the link in the show notes. Rebel of the week this week is Karen Heenan and I I hope I said your name correctly. Karen says. I grew up as an only child with with a very overprotective mum. I was really shy, but I still never quite believed her line that the world was a dangerous place and that I should stay close to home and have a small, safe life like hers. My mum created the problem, but she also gave me the solution. She was a big reader, and I learned to read early, and I read everything I could get my hands on. In one of my favourite books as a kid, the main character goes to Europe after she graduates high school. I wanted to do that but I didn't have any money and there was no support for the idea of traveling. It was expensive and scary. Why not just go to the shore like we always have? I got an office job right out of high school and once I'd saved up enough money I applied for a passport and brought a round-trip ticket to London on my lunch break. I kept it secret for months and didn't tell anyone until the day I left for my trip because I didn't want to give them the time to talk me out of it or wreck what little confidence I had. Because I was terrified I'd never been on my own, never flown before, and here I was going to a foreign country, even if they spoke English. I didn't even have a hotel reservation. I had some cash, a wad of traveller's cheques, and a fat paperback copy of London on $25 a day. This was 1983-ish. When I landed at Heathrow, I retrieved my bag, figured out British payphones, found a bed and breakfast with a room and took the tube into London where I had the best week of my life to that point. I was still scared shitless most of the time, but I understood that I could be afraid and still do things uh, that I wanted. And the fear didn't have to stop me and keep me in place where I no longer wanted to be. When I came uh, home from vacation, I got a better paying office job, an apartment in the city, and I rarely looked back at that scared kid who almost missed out on her whole freaking life. I love this. I love that this is a story of empowerment. I love that you just said fuck it and went off and travelled by yourself. I honestly think that travel is one of the most uh, life changing things that you can possibly do if you are able to travel, um, and that doesn't necessarily like mean abroad. It just means you know seeing different things in your own country too. Uh, but I, that is one of the things over the last eighteen months that I have missed the most, and I am desperate to get out of the country and. And see new things. So thank you very much. Keep sending me in those stories. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small or something in between. You can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or Instagram me at Sasha Black Author. No new patrons this week, but a big thank you to my existing patrons. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content from as little as $2 a month, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Alright, enough bollocksing on from me, let's get on with the interview. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Inez Johnson. Inez is a lover of fairy tales, folklore and mythology. She spends her days reimagining the stories of old in a modern world. She writes books where damsels cause the distress, princesses wield swords, and mums save the world. And as I said to you earlier, I really need your books in my life because, oh my God, they sound like everything that I want to be true in the world. So yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Um, Aside from being a writer, professional reader, and teacher, Inez is a very bad Buddhist. She sits in um, sangha, oh, you'll have to tell me how that, oh, I've said it right, okay, cool, each week, and while others are meditating and getting their zen on, she's contemplating how to use the teachings to strengthen her plots and character motivations. Ines lives outside Washington, D.C. with her two little sidekicks who are growing up way too fast. Oh, gosh, don't I know that, my boy. I tell you what, I swear each year gets faster too. Yes, it
1: does.
0: So welcome. I, I like. I want to ask you so many things about just your bio before we get even get into it. Um. So, uh, how do you use uh, the Buddhist teachings in your in your writing? Because that's awesome.
1: So when I was when I the same way was when I was younger, and my most of my family is Catholic, and so when I would go to, to Sunday school, I love the parts where there was where they would take the Bible and there would be a moral to the story. Like, I love that. Like, I wasn't really interested in all the other stuff. I, I just wanted you to read me the story and the moral, and I would get the lesson. In the same way that we, in in America, we have these things, or we used to have these things, called after-school specials,
0: mm-hmm. where it would
1: show, like, a kid in some with some type of um, harsh decision-making um, thing that he he or she had to do. And at the end, when we saw them go and do the bad decision and the good decision, there was a moral to the story. So it's the same thing. When you're sitting in sangha, there's usually... Um, a lesson that you're teaching a lesson that is being taught um of how um a different way to live your life to make different decisions so all of my books i try to make them have a moral to the story which we could just say is a theme mm. and it just it, it it makes me happy it makes me feel like i'm applying teachings not only my life to but my readers lives as well
0: i love that so much like i had a real love-hate relationship with theme when I was, like, earlier in my writing. I used to find it so hard and, like, I didn't... If I'm honest, I didn't really put a theme in, like, Mm -hmm. my early books. But now I am starting to start with the theme Mm -hmm. rather, like, and craft the book around the theme, which not everybody can do and that's fine. Everybody has their own, like, processes. Mm -hmm. But I find with my particular writing and, like style of writing that my book is stronger when I start with that moral or theme or like message so yeah that's so cool so professional reader like what <laughs> what does that mean and how do I get to be one of those?
1: <laughs> Once upon a time I I had this stuff called time oh wow what is it, that it, it was magical let me just tell you it was magical <laughs> and I um signed up for um I was about to say Netflix NetGalley and on NetGalley if you were and I was I wasn't writing at the time but I was just a reader and they called the people who read and reviewed professional readers and I love that and so I just (sighs) kept
0: it (laughs) I love it I love it um yeah so I yeah I mean I yeah I I'm trying to up my reading this year and I'm trying to read like 100 books this year, which Good is like as a mom and a, a, a businesswoman, yeah. I must have been out of my fucking mind when I decided mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to I'm going to steal that and say that I am also a professional reader. <laughs> all right okay tell everyone a little bit about you and like your journey how did you get to where you are today
1: well i came after you know watching a lot of television (laughs) (laughs) I, um, i actually went to um and i studied uh media production in um college i'd studied it in high school we had a we actually had a class called television production and we had a weekly um news program as you do in america um, and I and I fell in love because it was just another form of storytelling. So when I got to college, I was like, "This is that. This is what I'm doing." And I studied television, and I went on to work for companies like National Geographic and oh, the Discovery wow. Channel. And then I went on to do children's media at a channel called the Black Family Channel. It Was awesome. Um, it was also a lot of work, and I had always been a romance reader. Like that's how I decompressed in the evenings. I would, my godmother. I love this story. My godmother, um, in her kitchen pantry. Where you know you're supposed to have like um, pastas and rice and cans, you know, in case the apocalypse comes. From the top of the shelf to boxes on the floor, it just had those thin little Harlequin presents. That's what was in there. So she was my first library at 12 years old. Oh my god, I love it. (laughs) And (laughs) I have been, and I, I would just she, and she didn't mind after after she read them. I could have whatever I wanted. So I just was constantly reading those I I was addicted to romance at a young age and so I was constantly consuming that and um by the time um that I was writing children's (laughs) programs, I was like hmm I I I wonder if I can write one of these romance novels and I tried first one was awful but I kept doing it and then they they got kind of good and I started selling them
0: I love it I love I love 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 that you were reading like Harlequin novels at twelve. I
1: mean, there were the good the good parts were the waves crashing and and and, and uh, sensations coming over me. They didn't they didn't <laughs> describe anything too deep, so I still had no clue what was happening at twelve years old. <laughs> but don't you think like because I did the same thing I
0: used to read like Jane Green I don't know if you remember her she's like from quite a few years ago now um but she was I think she's still publishing actually um but she was definitely like a romance or like women's fiction who Hmm. the fuck reads women's fiction at like 13 you know but I did but I think the thing is as well like we can totally get away with doing that at that age because we are still innocent and so we don't really read into like we don't get the subtext we're reading story on the surface level um so yeah I definitely and I was reading like heavy Patricia Cornwell like crime, like dead bodies and shit like yeah really young anyway like this is this is the life of a writer like I think all of us just you know consume whatever we can when uh, when we're is. little all right so we connected because um i read your all amazing article uh, on book recently oh my gosh, um, gosh and-
1: so did my father and he <laughs> called me up and he, if you've read the article he calls me up and he's like so uh, what did you mean <laughs> about the two guys in the swords crossing what, what huh <gasps> i'm dead I'm not going back home for any holidays. I'm dead. If you haven't read the article, go read the article and, and share in my cringe. of <laughs> my dad. Oh, please.
0: man. Fun. I, I will link to the article in the show notes for everybody. But um, yeah, that is so I'm, I'm guessing like your pen name is no longer a secret. Cause...
1: No, I didn't expect my father to read that article, though.
0: Wow, I would like just, yeah, don't let him read the books. No. No. <laughs> the fear in your
1: eyes. To that agreement, No.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Um, oh, all right. So in the article, you mentioned um, that you made like quite a few mistakes on your yeah. journey. And I think that's natural. A lot of us make mistakes, but you are now seriously successful as a six-figure <laughs> author.
1: <laughs> so, like,
0: can you can you talk me? Through some of the mistakes that you made, and I'm sure we'll probably go into some more detail as we go on. But like, what were some of the the main mistakes you made on your journey?
1: The main mistake, and I didn't know this was a mistake at first. The main mistake was I didn't have a very clear goal. I I I, I did have a goal. Let me take that back. My goal. Was I, have, I was on one of those Yahoo, um, remember Yahoo used to do like, it was almost like a forum where you could email and then and someone would ask a question and then you get replies. I don't remember what they were called, but Yahoo had that. And um, this big author had one and I was about to publish my first book. And I was like, okay, what are my expectations supposed to be? And someone uh, replied, she was like, girl, you know, I made $10 my first month. And I was slap happy that someone read my book. And so in my mind, I was like, well, okay, because I'm I'm competitive. I know you're competitive. I'm competitive yes! too. Yes! And I was like, bet, all I need to do is make $10 and one cent and I am a success. I love so you. That was my first goal. <laughs> but I didn't, so the mistake that I didn't have is I didn't really have any clear goals. I was still very gainfully employed at the time. And I was writing these books just because I, I had tried the traditional route and I didn't even get rejection letters. Like people just didn't even contacts me back I would hear stories of people oh I got 10 rejections this week and I was like oh they didn't even write me back <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wanted my my stories to get out there and then there was self-publishing so I put that book out there and I think I made hundred dollars the first um, month that I published and so I thought I had arrived and that was really and again I just wanted people to read my books so that was pretty much my goal I didn't have this this goal in mind of oh I'm I want to be a six-figure author I just wanted to publish my books and I wanted to have people read and leave reviews and say that I was doing a good job. That was my goal. But I see a, today that a lot of times people don't, if they want to make this a business, they don't have very clear goals. They don't, they don't know why they're doing it. They, they might just want to put their books out, but then they're expecting six figures. So when I needed this job, this book writing job to actually make me a full-time income I made a what I call a smart goal. I made a very specific, measured, achievable, relevant, time-bound goal that I could I could break down into into measurable parts and you'll see how I did this if you read the article. But where I live just outside Washington DC, I need $2,500 a month to pay all of my household bills and expenses. And so that breaks down to about $82 a day, which then breaks down if you have a 299 book that breaks down to you need, I needed to sell 40 books a day. So that was my measurable goal. So having a specific and then a measurable goal that you can then figure out, well, how do I get 40 sales a day? Then you can figure out some strategies of how to get 40 sales a day. That's the part that I think that when we have to turn off our creative mind that just wrote the book, and turn on the analytical side, the business side, to start to figure out, hmm, how can I do this step by step and, and and make achievable steps towards this goal? That's what I didn't do at first.
0: And I think I think it even goes like even further back than that, because a lot of people don't actually know what they genuinely need per month so like yeah. before Ooh. I left before I left my job I had a shit ton of debt I had student debt I had like fertility treatment debt I had car debt and so I couldn't leave my job because that debt was like 800 quid a month that's like yeah. 1200 dollars in debt a month wow. that I was paying off and so like my first goal was get rid of the debt because then I that that was you know 800 pounds less a month that I needed so it was then a smaller number of daily sales that I had to reach in order to get there but you know that is always the first step how much money how much money do you need and then how much money do you really need if you can then get rid of the debt how much money could you like what is that baseline figure so I think that's such good advice um to, you know, really go into into like the numbers and and know like what those sales, like how many sales it is per day. Because otherwise, what are you tracking? You don't even know what to track otherwise.
1: And are you tracking? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so, so one of the things that you mentioned in your article is about branding and that you learned a really hard lesson about branding. So why is branding so important?
1: And what did you personally learn? So with with when it comes to branding, I I feel like um, some authors don't turn. They just still rely on their artistic side, and they don't rely on their analytical side. They might not even be looking at it and know that they, that they have that part of their brain, because as a reader, I will read any type of kissing book. <laughs> if there's kissing in it, I'm there for you. It, unless it's bullying, I I can't I can't really dig when. Uh, one party wants to hurt the other party before they want to love them, unless it's a consensual safe relationship and they've <laughs> negotiated it, then I'm, de- I'm there for it. But if they've not negotiated, I'm not there. But, but having that be said, not every reader is like me. Not every reader will read a historical and then a paranormal and then a rom-com and then a women's fiction and then um, a clean contemporary romance. I, 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 it, it's romance, so I will read it. And so that's what I was thinking when I was writing these different and varied books. Again, if you read the article, you'll see that I started writing an MMF, that means male, male, female, where the swords cross. Now you know why my dad called me <laughs> himself. I wrote a male, male, female, <laughs> female dystopian fantasy. And then I wrote um, one uh, where a mom basically saves the world, where um, a mom um, is recasting the role of Cinderella. And then I wrote um, a paranormal shifter romance based off of the movie While You Were Sleeping. And I couldn't understand why the readers of the MMF romance weren't interested in the the single mom romance. And then they weren't interested in the paranormal romance because it was all, they all had kissing in it. So that whole adage of when you're asking yourself, well, who's going to read this book? Well, everybody's going to read the book. That's not true. Unless they're me. (laughs) Unless it's me. Everybody's not going to read your book readers go to the page for very specific reasons. They're looking for a specific type of escape. They're looking for a specific type of emotional hit to, um, to, to, to come into their hearts and into their minds. And if you don't deliver them that, then they're going to move on to the next book because there's tons of books out there. So when I understood that, that's when branding started to make sense to me. And that's when I understood that I have different readers and they're not all going to read all of my books. So it's best if, I, as I say in the article, if I, if I um, don't have a lobotomy but kind of have a split personality and I separated myself, at the time I separated myself into three different pen names based upon steam because that was the, the, the major factor is how, how steamy was this? Do the swords cross? Do the swords not cross? Do they not even take out their swords out of the sheath? Meaning it's a singularity. <laughs> I'm loving
0: everybody. all of this sword discussion, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so that became really important when a reader could look at my cover when they could look at the title the subtitle the blurb and know this is going to give me that emotional hit that I'm looking for at the steam level that I'm looking for then I I I was I was cooking with the wool then because they knew what they were going to get
0: it's so funny I've literally just come off of another podcast where we were talking about um well creative self-publishing but um One of the things that um, Orna said was that um, if you read, like not everybody can do this, but if you read your reviews and underline or take out the emotional words that reviewers use and then you pattern spot, you should see like the emotion. Regardless of what emotional impact you think you're having, you will see the emotional impact you are actually having if you look at the the emotion words that your reviewers are saying. And I was like, oh my God, that is genius. I've never, like, I've never heard, like, nobody's ever said that to me. I thought that was such a fantastic idea. Um, The other thing I was going to say, I think that that advice is so good because I also read voraciously and across so many different genres and not like I thought everybody did that too and I think that that is no I know right like I think that is something that writers do yeah. and normal readers don't and yeah. that is such a shock to me like I I mean the majority of my reading is young adult reading because that is the genre that I write in but also you know I I i'll read a bit of anything um mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> yeah so yeah what what a fantastic lesson to learn and it is also a reminder that even though we write for ourselves you know because most of the time we do read at least a good portion in our genre mm-hmm. we are still not necessarily our audience which yeah. is why it's so important to do like your research as well um Okay, so another thing that you mention in your article—I hate that I need to confess this—but you mention um, creating a publishing schedule. Yeah. Now, the minute I seem to like set a goal, I will just go and fuck shit up and not <laughs> be able to get to that goal. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. Like, I want to take responsibility and not be like, but life gets in the way um because you know I don't want to be that person but also life gets in the way sometimes and then I don't know like it's it's I don't know why I am incapable of I think I just have unrealistic expectations like how how are you able to do that how do you create your schedules how do you know that you're gonna hit on a certain like and then how do you deliver like
1: how tell me your secrets (laughs) (laughs) everyone seems to think I have a secret. I don't. I honestly, so the first thing is I've had 44 years of knowing this person right here, me. And so I know my, I know my habits and I know, I know how to trick myself. I know how to go with myself. So, and I, and I know the things that I'm capable of and the things that I'm not capable of. And I know when I'm pushing myself too hard and not pushing myself enough. So, I think that's key, and, and, I, and I, want, I want to say that out loud because I do realize that I have a fast writing speed, which does not mean that you, you Sasha, and you all out there that you need to aspire to what I do because I do this because, again, I, I know my limits. You need to know your limits to get you to where you wanna be. So that's the first thing that you need to do is you need to know your limits. So what I- Terrify tell you, me. Go on, tell me, tell me, make me. What I tell people to do is to the first thing that you need to do is you know your your words per hour, mm-hmm. and one of the best ways to do that is to sit down and sprint, or just to keep a log of how much you're writing in a in a full day, so you know like at your at your not even at your best at your average, mm-hmm. what can you do in a day? I prefer mm-hmm. sprints because I, I can sit down and. and hammer out something in 20 and 25 minutes and, and figure out where I can get 25 minutes out of a 24 hour day. So I know that about myself. I know that if I sit down and I do a certain amount of sprints and I'm going to get a certain amount of words, really chapters, because I don't like to write by word count and it stresses me out. A, a, a chapter or a scene is a complete story and I know I can tell a complete story um, in, within an hour. So I know that about myself and I know that I can sit down and get about two to four chapters every day. And so if I know that I can get about two to four chapters every day and I outline my book and I know that this book is going to be 20 chapters and I know that this other book is going to be 27 chapters because those are the amount of scenes that I need. then I know if I'm, if I'm averaging three chapters a day, then I know that in about seven days or 10 working days, I can have a book. Wow. Yeah. So that's really what it is. I sat down and I studied myself. I know how many words I can, or how many chapters rather, I can get a bit. This is,
0: I am like in awe because (laughs) um, like Dan is like this and he, he can write a book to a word can, like what the, how, I don't, my I feel like my brain is melting out of my nostrils and this is like part of the problem is that I think I don't write linearly which doesn't really Mm -hmm. help myself and even when I then do outline I really stick to my outline Mm -hmm. um and but yet also I can't embrace writing into the dark (laughs) Like, not entirely, because I, you know, like I want to, I, I have to get things straight in my head, even though I then don't write in a straight line. But yeah, like, oh. and and so one of the things that I do do, which makes me feel like I should be able to get more accurate guesses is that I do track my word count. Okay, so I track my daily word count and I know that I average somewhere between 20 and 40K a month um, and like, and then plus or minus editing, like on top of that um so i know like i want to get to the point where i'm writing about 500,000 words a year so about 6 books a year that feels comfortable for m- me i think where i then won't lose the enjoyment because i like playing with sentences and like not i don't know like yeah i i i don't know i feel like 6 books is enough to push me slightly outside of where i'm at now so like to keep mm-hmm. me you know going but then not so much that I will then just be smashing out words for the sake of smashing out words.
1: What do you think about instead of the next book that you're writing, instead of doing word count, what do you think about just tracking the chapters?
0: How would I, so how would I do that if I don't write in complete chapters? Hmm. So, so this is this is why I find it difficult to track things. So, like, what will happen is, well, at the moment, what I'm doing is I'm trying skinny drafting. So, mm-hmm. I've just I'm about fourteen thousand words into a skinny draft, um, and I, I go to a, a new chapter, and I tell the draft. Mm-hmm. so when I edit because I also hate editing so what I'm hoping this is going to do is that that editing process is going to be more fun because I'll be doing the description and the bits that I like and right. m- making it right in that in that second draft but anyway um normally what will happen is I will go to a section so like a part of a scene that I can see really clearly and I'll just write that but I might not do the opening or the closing of that chapter so that doesn't help myself but maybe with the with the with the skinny drafting, which I am more or less doing the whole chapter, that might work. Yeah, I'm gonna try that, thank you. Try
1: and see if it works. I'm, I'm a, I, some of my friends get annoyed with me because they were like, what do you think about this? And I'll just say, try it and see. Because all yeah. that will happen is either it'll work or it, it, it's not that it'll work or it won't work, it'll work and or it'll teach you something about yourself for yeah. you to better your process. Yeah,
0: oh, I love that, I love that. Like I'm already like I'm off now thinking in my head about about different tracking methods
1: I um, want to know how this works out for you <laughs> yeah.
0: I will I will let you know um or, so you you've obviously got multiple pen names so mm-hmm. like what tactics are you using to find readers in each of your genre and do those tactics change for different genres or are you using like the same tactics like how does that work how are you finding new readers
1: A couple of different ways, so I started with the NS pen name um, and like I said she was all over the place writing whatever she wanted to mostly some stuff with magic. And then I got there and then I broke myself out into N period S period Johnson, where I all my super steamy source crossing stuff went over to N S Johnson. Um, And then I got really intentional when I did Shanae Johnson, who is my sweet clean and wholesome pen name. With uh Shanae, I had learned a lot about the business by then. So I got very, very intentional and I did a lot of research um in the on the front end. I started to go and I looked at the 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 um each storefront because I knew I wanted to write clean and wholesome romance because it was a different steam level, it was a zero steam level, just a sweet kiss sweet steam level. So I looked on places like Barnes and Noble's Nook, I looked on Apple Books, I looked on Kobo and I started to see where, who who was selling there? And I saw that, that there was a lot of cowboy romances selling on Apple and Barnes and Noble. So I knew there were readers there. But what's really interesting too, is I, I started to look closer at Google Play and Kobo. And I, and I see that my um, steamy paranormal romance is selling well there. And not necessarily my sweet, clean, wholesome romance. So I'm seeing different sub uh, subgenres selling well on different platforms, at least for me. The other place that I look outside of just looking at platforms is I I love, I'm a huge believer in Facebook ads. And I don't just look when I'm looking for a new target for Facebook ads, I don't just look at the authors. I look at like, I write um, sweet military romance. So I would look at things like, okay, I would put in the search field like military wives, like and what, what's associated with military wives. And then I would narrow it down to book readers and I would send an ad to them. I would look at like the Hallmark channel or the Lifetime movie channel and narrow it down to reading and look at them. So I look at behaviors as well as just looking at the authors um, and the same thing with the steamy stuff. Like people know like if, if you're doing vampires, maybe try Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the television show and then narrow it down to books and to see if you can get find any readers in there so it's it's tactics like that that that's working for me
0: I think that is fantastic advice and like just like the emotion earlier I think looking at behaviors nobody like that's not it's not something that you ever hear people like authors talking about but that is so so true like when I think about my own behavior like I love vampire like stories like vampire tv shows like vampire anything I will consume it and yeah like I don't think I I have thought to do that so I think that is absolutely cracking advice mm-hmm. um also Facebook ads do scare me but like, <laughs> I know I have to I bite just, back <laughs> I just they like it eats your money that's the thing that like bothers me about Facebook ads is it will eat your money and then it will take your money from your bank account and if you are not paying attention you're gonna be poor real quick (laughs) it will happen uh so yeah anyway um you can also make a shit ton of money when you get them right so you know swings and roundabouts um right so another question in your article you talk about uh like creating and running measurable marketing campaigns Mm -hmm. so like how do you do that like how often should you be doing campaigns like what variables do you measure like what do you track all of that good stuff
1: okay so again i I am i'm a firm believer that ads only work if you're paying attention to your sales and to the ads. <laughs> like, I don't understand the, or I don't subscribe to the idea of set an ad and forget it. No, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it from day one. I might not do anything if I don't see it working immediately, but I'm still going to watch it. So <clears throat> I know what my baseline of sales is for every book that I sell because I'm looking at that stuff every day. And so if I know that I'm selling five books a day of a specific title, and then I start a Facebook ad for $5 a day, and then all of a sudden I'm selling 11 books a day and I haven't done anything else, then I'm going to assume that five, maybe four of those book sales are coming from that Facebook ad. So, and, and then I'm looking at the ROI. I hear people, I hear people saying, oh my God, because sometimes my ads are 20 cents, sometimes my ads are 30 cents a click. And they're like, oh my God, if it's over 10 cents a click, I'm turning it off. And I'm like, my books are $2.99. If I sell a book, I make $2. If I just sold five books at 30 cents a click, I am not turning that ad off. It's making me money. So uh, uh, the, me- the measurement that I'm looking at is the ROI. Uh, I know what my baseline is before I start an ad. I start one ad at a time. So I will start with Facebook ads. First, actually, I, I, my newsletter is my first line of defense. So I send out a newsletter when I have a new release or if I have a sale or anything. Then the next line of defense is I start a Facebook ad. And then the next line of defense is I start an AMS ad. And the next line of defense is I will tack on, and, and it's usually a week in between each so that I can see if the baseline rises then a bit, then a book ad, and then I'll start doing paid promo. And then I'm, my goal is to get that, that tied up and then level. And so that becomes my new baseline. And then I move on. You're a wide author, aren't you? So I sure am. So when you,
0: so with your Facebook ads, are you, and I know this is getting into the weeds a bit for um mm-hmm. some of like the n- newer beginner writers, but when you're, um, targeting on Facebook? Are you targeting just Amazon? Are, like with Facebook ads, are you targeting the other stores? How do, how, or are you using BookBub to target the other stores? It
1: depends on the book. Cause like, remember what, how I said, like sweet Westerns, like they are doing really well on Barnes and Noble and Apple and Amazon as well. So, um, I might send an ad just to Amazon. I might send an ad just to Nook, or I might do an ad and then I put in the text field, a short link to each store so that they can just copy and paste whichever store that they want to do. So it just, it's really, is going to depend upon the book and the behavior that I've seen going on in that subcategory on whichever platform.
0: Mm, well, that is really good advice. I, uh, uh, when I did, I, I did about, I don't know, like a grand or 1500 quid on Facebook ads, and I got them profitable. I was, I think Ooh. I was making like a 30% on top of whatever it was but I was I, I that was my one and only stint in KU and I've always been afraid to do them wide because I, I wasn't sure if I would get the same like return yeah. so I haven't done them wide yet but um I'm publishing fiction later in the year and then they'll have enough in a series to warrant doing it so like I'm like oh I
1: need to do it again I'm that's just that's, a that's another thing I I don't start ads <clears> until I have at least three books out because then I'm I become fearless because In my opinion, I come come from television, so I'm used to serialized episodic writing. So I will funnel you through the book. (laughs) I will will end that last chapter. I I tell people when I write a book, um, and I already know it's going to be at least a six book series. Or at least a three book series usually a six book series that last chapter i often put in the the next pov the next character of the next book i put it in their pov and introduce their story problem which gets you hooked because you just finished the first story you've got your happily ever after and before you get to the end of the book you have this epilogue where the next hero is oh look at my best friend in love but that will never happen to me because woe is me i have this problem (laughs) the end the story continues so i've got a funnel set up so by the time the third book is ready to go out I'm ready to set that first book to 99 cents I'm ready to set it for free I don't care I will um, then I start to advertise the first book or the full series but I know that if I get you to click on that first book whether I, I make zero or 35 cents on that first sale I know that I've got I've got a handful of you funneling through the rest of my series so I'll make two dollars plus another two dollars plus another two dollars Um,
0: and what, what tactics or, um, like reader magnets are you using to get people onto your
1: mailing list? So Shanae has one free book, which was a Christmas story that I wrote. Um, and then I just, I reframed it in my most popular world, which is the Purple Heart Ranch series. I reframed it in that world and just set it where it could start at any point in time. And I put that book for free anywhere. I just got, um, My narrator just recorded recorded the that reader magnet as a free audiobook, and now I'm testing out sending that free audiobook out to listeners to try to get more sales to my audiobook. So I put it everywhere; it stays free. It it will it's a reader magnet, so it stays free. Also, the first book in my flagship series, again the Purple Heart Ranch, um, I initially made that perma ninety nine cents, and then by the time I got to book eleven, I made it perma free. And I, it's, it's never going to be paid again. And I will give that book to the stranger on the street. Cause I know if I just get the book in their hand and they open the page, I've, I've got them, I have got them and they're going to go through.
0: So that one um, that you, the other one that you said that you've just had the audiobook done, is that exclusive to your mailing list or is that also on the stores?
1: That no, thank you. No, it's not on the stores. Um, I, I'm a, pushing big to to sell things direct this year mm, so that is on book funnel that is um i put it inside of one of the box sets that i do plan to sell on um acx and all the other folks but i'm thinking about putting that book up on youtube for free i'm thinking about putting it up on spotify like wherever i can put that book for free to reach new readers i'm gonna put that, that book up there
0: yeah. I, I think I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts um, specifically on wide and like Mark Lefebvre with his wide for the win uh, mm-hmm. stuff recently about how what uh, free is still really working wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing releasing book three and four in a series and I'm like, Oh, do I do 99 cents? Do I do free? And I also have to come up with like a, an exclusive reader magnet before I do that. Cause I still haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> for my fiction anyway. Um, Okay, cool. So. um, One one last question, I think, before I ask you the ultimate question, Um, like we've talked a lot about marketing tactics, but are there any tactics that are really working for you right now? Like maybe things that you have discarded or anything, maybe if you feel like you've covered most of those tactics, maybe let's talk about launches, like how do you how do you launch? Do you throw everything? Do you have gigantic ones? Do you do small ones? Yeah.
1: My backlist makes me the bulk of my money. So, and I am releasing, I've, I have two pen names right now I'm, that I'm actively releasing in, and each of them releases one book a month. So I've wait, got two- Wait, mm-hmm. wait, hang on. What? Yes, ma'am
0: you're releasing two books a month yes ma'am fuck oh let me just
1: television I was I always feel like I have to preface this I learned I I feel I don't know where this lesson comes from for authors that they're supposed to write one book of uh, a year I that's that's not what I learned. I learned I needed to tell 13 complete episodes in a series, sometimes twice a year. <laughs> so that's is normal speed to me. So I don't know, everybody go back to school and learn to become a television writer. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah.
0: I am yeah. in awe of you. Um, is, I don't know where to go from here.
1: <laughs> well, let me finish answering your question. <laughs> So, um, because I, um, because Shanae launches one a month and Aness launches one a month, um, launching is not something that I spend a lot of money and time and energy on because mm-hmm. my energy is completely on the back list because my goal is to just make my ship rise and stay, that rise and take. stay, me rise take. and stay. Yeah. Because when you release, you get a nice spike but then it comes down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm focused on the rise and state. And so right now, even when I when I launch a new book, my backlist still makes more than that launch day every time. So I'm not so focused on, on launching what I, I do do the pretty much the same thing over and over again. I build it, build it up in my newsletter so that I and I always have pre-orders. So I build it up. I've got pre-orders. I know how much money I can spend because I'm usually using that pre-order money to spend on the launch um, my newsletter is gold. I send my newsletter, I make money, and I send my newsletter out every week. Sinead sends on Wednesdays, Ines sends on Tuesdays, and I'm very chatty, so I, I'm, even if I'm not selling them a book, I'm just chatting with them, having fun, and they, they're probably, they, they buy a book. I, I've, I figured out that Tuesdays, Wednesdays, because once upon a time, Tuesdays and Wednesdays were my least, or my low days in sales. So that's when I set my newsletters and now am Tuesdays and Wednesdays, are always my highest days of sale because that's when I send my newsletter and I chat with people in my, in my newsletter. So I do that um, and then um, I start my Facebook ads, but with my Facebook ads, because I've been running them so long, I built what's called a warm audience. Whenever you go into your Facebook ads, you'll be able to see that um, you can build an audience based on anyone who has clicked or engaged on any of your posts or your ads. So I always send to them, first because they're warm they have clicked they've engaged with me I send to them first and then I'll send to my try and true big like one million um potentials audiences then I start the MS ads then I start the book club ads rinse repeat and I'm doing that every month so that's what I can manage is that particular process
0: I am like bowing at your feet uh, I am just in awe of you full stop that's the end of my sentence
1: figure this stuff out remember if you read that article you'll see I failed I bumbled around a lot until I really started paying attention to what was happening with with my books and I started to look for the patterns and see oh I'm not making any money on Tuesdays why don't I send a newsletter and tell people how awesome this book is oh I'm not making any money on the weekends why don't I schedule promo for the weekend so it 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 took me paying attention and finding my gaps and my mistakes and figuring out strategies to fill those gaps and mistakes to get me where I wanted to be. So
0: how do you, like, what, how do you track? Are you just using the dashboards? Are you taking that data and putting it into a spreadsheet? Like, what are you using to track sales and things?
1: I'm very tactile. If you, like, if you, again, if you look at that article, you'll see some of my bullet journal and planner spreads. Because I like, I, I love planners and office supplies and stickers and colored pens. They make me happy. So no, okay. no spreadsheets for me. I write this stuff down by hand because then I'm going to do it. If, I, if I'm just sit at a computer and I'm just downloading it into a spreadsheet, I'm going to forget. I'm not going to want to. But if I get to put, if I get to match pretty colors and highlighters and put stickers next to them, you see, I'm, I'm getting excited right now. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning, I have a planner spread where I write down the royalties earned per platform each day. I take a look at my ads. I don't really write down my, my ad spend because my, my cost per click ad spend like Facebook and BookBub because I'm spending about the same amount each day because I have caps on those. So I'm looking at the royalties. If I have, like today I have a book sends um ad running. So at the end of the day, I'm going to look and see how many sales I got from that book, And so I know if I'm going to use them again or not. So I write the stuff by hand and it's, it's all pretty and it's color coded and it makes me pay attention and it makes me focus on it. That's just me. You can do spreadsheets. Okay. So, okay. Cause I was like, do you,
0: <clears throat> when you publish wide and I am assuming you have a fuckload of books at this point, a if you're, yeah. How many, sorry.
1: It's, it is a fuckload. number. <laughs> I'm so glad that that is how we are measuring them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I so uh, yeah. I was like, wait, because that is a lot of platforms with a lot of books. Are you writing down the sales for each individual book? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. I
1: I glance at what at what's selling, what's not, and and I can I I can't hold those numbers in my head, but I but it it, it informs me. So I I'll like, and that's why I know that on Kobo and Google Play my steamy dragon shifters are selling really well, but not so much my sweet romance, which is selling well on Barnes and Noble and uh, Apple and, um, and Amazon, it's selling well on there. So that's informing me of, of what I need to be focusing on on my publishing schedule and what I don't need to be focusing on or what I need to try and see if I can sell a different way, like make a new Facebook ad campaign for a series that's not selling.
0: Yeah, I need to think about a tracking, uh, a better tracking method because I, check my sales every day i can reel off which books sell the most Mm -hmm. in the order that they sell the most Mm -hmm. i know that sundays are always my best days um Mm -hmm. but um i don't i don't necessarily have that recorded anywhere i don't necessarily i don't know like i yeah i i know that because i look every day and i hold it intuitively Mm -hmm. but i think that's great until you want to really start ramping up like the income then you need like a proper tracking so that you can see exactly what is impacting your sales so i need to think about a method of of Mm -hmm. tracking i think in a in a better way i used to track every day i would write down how many sales i got from each book but then like you you go over 10 books and suddenly that's not fun anymore (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're publishing wide okay okay this is the rebel author podcast tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel i have a i have a feeling this is gonna be fun
1: okay so for there's two times so for shanae um my sweet clean wholesome romance um, i was selling i was selling like gangbusters i was selling sweet western romances military men who um who were wounded warriors who went to a ranch uh, a rehabilitation ranch, but the ranch you you could only stay there if you were a family. So they all had to get married. Like modern day marriage of convenience sells like crazy. People are constantly, when's the next one coming out? What's the next one coming out?" And then me, I was like, "Oh look, Harry and Meghan are getting married. Royal romance must be the next big thing." <laughs> my, I, so I wrote some royal romances, sweet, clean, wholesome royal romances, and my readers were like, um, "Well." <laughs> That's cute. When's the next Purple Heart Ranch coming out? They ignored it, and I just didn't care because I was like, "These are cute. You guys are gonna take it and you're gonna read it." Nope. They were like, "Uh uh-uh. uh." When is the next horse book coming out? So that was one mistake that I made. And then the next, then so I have three pen names, right? I have my NS pen name who does the the, the steamy magical stuff. I have the NS pen name who you know the swords cross there a lot. And then I have the um, the Shanae, uh Johnson pen name, and I it, it's tiring, it's tiring. And I was not putting out any new books under the NS super super steamy erotic romance pen name. And I was like, all of all of my NS books are just as steamy. Why am I? Why have I separated myself thusly? The readers that I have cultivated now know that I can get go a little on the kinky side. So. I don't I don't want to be an S. I don't want to be NS anymore. And so I this year I started to sneak NS's books into NS. And the readers that I have and remember I started with those super kinky books. And I guess I've kept, I've gotten some super kinky readers because they're like, "Oh, this is new to us. This is cute. We like this." So I have killed off my NS erotic pen name because I just didn't want to be three people anymore. I just want to be two people. So I have rebelled against my own advice. And I'm merging those two pen names again. We'll see how it goes.
0: I love it. So I I started with a a, a slight pen name. Could, well, so Sasha Black is a pen name. Mm-hmm. And um, but I have a ridiculous real name. And <laughs> uh, I mean, truly, it's like, um, long it's got more letters than the bloody alphabet in it so like it is ridiculous yeah right like it's just this is not gonna go on a book no. um and so I did like a little nod to my real name uh with my original uh pen name and I f- just fucking I hated the name I didn't spend enough time thinking about what I wanted the name to be and then I was like I just can't be all of these different people like it is exhausting mm-hmm. um yeah and like I know that I am doing a detriment to myself uh, in terms of like also brought and stuff, but I just don't give a shit. Like I just yeah. can't be any more people than I already am. Like being two people is enough. Yep. Um, all right. Amazing. So uh, tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books. I will obviously include a link uh, to the article in the show notes, but anything else you'd like to share.
1: The article on the show is the best thing. Um, I don't have any author services. So if you come to my website, you're just going to see my book. So if you want to read some steamy, uh, magical books, um, you can come to NSWrites.com. If you want to read some clean and wholesome cowboys who are military, uh, former military, then you can come to Sineadjohnson.com.
0: Or damsels who cause distress, which That's- is where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for your time today. I have absolutely adored speaking to you. So thank you so much for joining me. And of course, thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get um, early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And a big thank you to everybody listening. I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Inez Johnson and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Christy Bromberg and we are going to have a kind of two-pronged discussion, how to sell more books on Apple and also how to write romance. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher and when you have a moment, please leave a review.